honoring moms in 2019. You ever heard this rhyme? Man may work from sun to sun, but woman's work is never done. How many moms would agree with that? A woman's work is never done, especially the part she asked her husband to do. Anybody agree with that? You women are a lot more honest than men sometimes when it comes to this. So I found this clip. This pretty much says everything about mothers. Let's watch. Hey, Danny, so. Oh, my. Honey?
ladies maybe ought to try that once. <clears throat> I found some quotes from K through five children when asked questions about their mothers. Why were mothers created? She's the only one who knows where the scotch tape is. Mostly to clean the house, another kid said. How were mothers made? From dirt, just like the rest of us. Magic plus superpowers and a lot of stirring. Just the same as I was made, except using bigger parts. Why were you given your mother and not some other mom? We're related, one kid said. She likes me a lot more than other, than other people's moms like me. What ingredients are mothers made of? Clouds and angel hair and everything nice in the world and one dab of mean. <laughs> Little kids are funny, ain't they? You, you gotta be ready when you ask them questions. They had to get their start from men's bones. Then they mostly used string, I think. What kind of little girl was your mom? I don't know because I wasn't there, but my guess, she's still pretty bossy. They say she used to be nice. How'd your mom meet your dad? Mom was working in a store and dad was shoplifting. I can't imagine some kids saying that. My mom was just walking down the street and my dad just found her. What did mom need to know about your dad before she married him? His last name. And did he say no to drugs and yes to chores? Why did your mom meet, marry your dad? My dad makes the best spaghetti in the world. My mom can sure eat a lot of spaghetti. My grandma says mom didn't have her thinking cap on. <laughs> I'm sure there's been some mother-in-laws that probably said that, mine included at one time. What makes a, a, a woman a good mother? It means you have to be really bossy without looking bossy. Who's the boss at your house? Mom doesn't want to be boss, but she has to because my dad is such a goofball. <laughs> Josh wrote that years ago. Mom, you, you can tell... You, Who's the boss at your house? Mom, you can tell by room, her room inspection. She sees the stuff under the bed. And I guess mom is, but because she has a lot more to do than my dad. What's the difference between moms and dads? Moms work at work and work at home, and dads just work at work. Moms know how to talk to teachers without scaring them to death. Dads are taller and stronger, but mom ha moms have all the real power because that's who you gotta ask if you wanna sleep over at your friends. What does your mom do in her spare time? Moms don't do spare time. To hear her tell it, she pays bills all day long. What's the difference between moms and grandmas? About 30 years, I think. You can now always count on grandmas for candy. Describe the world's greatest mom. She would make broccoli taste like ice cream. The greatest mom in the world wouldn't make me kiss my fat aunts. She'd always be smiling and keep <laughs> her opinions to herself. <clears throat> Is anything about your mom perfect? Her teeth are perfect, but she paid for them at the dentist. <laughs> Teeth's a big deal these days, I guess. Her casserole recipes are perfect, but we hate them. Just her children are perfect, one kid said. What would it take to make your mom perfect? 
On the inside, she's already perfect. Outside, I think some kind of plastic surgery. <laughs> one kid said a diet. <laughs> if you could change one thing about your mom, what would it be? She has this weird thing about me keeping my room clean and eating all my vegetables. I'd get rid of that immediately. <laughs> I think all this shouts to one fact, kids love their mamas. I'm always amazed that when children get hurt, most of the time they go to their moms first when they get skinned up. They want, that's just the way it is. And then, uh, aren't you glad when your kids kind of chip in and, and want to help you? So sometimes it looks, it looks like that. Do you know what moms really need? You know, this, this message has taken an interesting turn, if you will, as far as on Mother's Day. I really prayed about this and thought about this. Of all the things that moms need, they need their husbands to love and support and help them every day. In Ephesians 5, Paul addresses spirit-guided relationships between husbands and wives. This passage has been grossly misunderstood over the years because it mentions the S word, submission. And it's interesting, when I do premarital counseling, I've had young, young women say, Pastor, you're, you're not going to mention submission in this, are you? I said, well, we'll see what happens with the scripture. It, sometimes it's like opening a can of worms. But it comes down to this. It's what I said last week. It all comes down to our rebellious nature, which we all have. The vast majority of us don't like being told what to do. Maybe even sometimes in the workplace. We got this idea that we live in such a free society that we can come and go and do what we want when we want. Well, that causes problems in all facets of our life, especially in the spiritual realm. If you remember that quote I used last week about Adam and Eve, I thought that was interesting that, that Satan didn't tempt her with all the things in the world like he did Christ. He didn't hit her with a stick. He got her to understand that God can't be trusted and that she knows more than God. That God has given her a mind and she can make these choices to do what she wants when she wants. And I think because of who we are and because we were born with an old nature that we can't get rid of, I've talked about that a lot in the last 20 years. It's like a monkey on our back. and It's always there. And we want to take it and get it off of us, but it's... Because we're, we're born into sin and we live in this world and we still have this nature that wants to go back and wallow in the mud that we have to, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, overcome it. So, when God gives us instructions, it sticks in our craw sometimes. It's like, a, it's like a sharp stick or something poking us in the back. This is one such passage, if you will. Ephesians 5, 21 through 25 and further, you will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It all starts with the premise. The man and wife both have a great relationship with Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit is alive and acting. That, that has all the, it plays into this whole passage. It's the only way women can swallow this. You wives will submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. 
It's the only way that can happen. It has to be a supernatural transition. That is why the woman's movement in this world is real not, not real nuts about the church. They're not crazy about this passage of Scripture because they, 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 they don't understand it from the spiritual perspective that it, it doesn't demean women. It raises them up, but, but they don't get that. I remember... I probably went to six or eight promise keepers, and almost at every promise keepers, there was a women's group protesting men going in there because it was, in their words, anti-women, which actually, promise keepers was good for women. It made husbands understand who they should be as a husband, made them better husbands, better fathers. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of his body, the church. He gave his life to be her savior. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives must submit to your husbands in everything. And you husbands must love your wives with the same love Christ showed the church. He gave up his life for her. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man is actually loving himself when he loves his wife. The focus on the man is his responsibility as the spiritual leader. It's his responsibility. We can't shirk that. God said it. You know, that's that's the thing about preaching or teaching the word. It's not what I say. Yeah, I got my own opinions that I interject sometimes, but the fact is, God said it. We either believe in God, we either follow God or we follow ourselves. And then when we follow ourselves, we get in trouble. The man has been given responsibility of the home. If he leads in Christ, everything else will fall in place. He'll be a good husband, he'll be a good dad, he'll be a good citizen. He'll feed his family, he'll protect his family. That all, that all revolves and centers around if Jesus is on the throne of his life. Because real spiritual leadership involves service and sacrifice. There's another couple of words that we like to put off to the side sometime. The most spiritual people in this world, the most spiritual men, the most spiritual fathers, serve and sacrifice. It rises above everything else. Christ is the head of the church, is also its savior. Christ gave his life for the church, so as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should admit to their husbands in everything. A wise and Christ-honoring husband will not take advantage of his leadership role. And a wise and Christ-honoring wife will not try to undermine her, husband, undermine her husband's leadership. Either approach causes disunity and friction in the marriage. For the wife, submission means willingly following her husband's leadership in Christ. That's the important part of that. For the husband, it means putting aside his own interests in order to care for his wife. I do believe that submission is rarely a problem in homes where both partners have a strong relationship with Christ and where each is concerned for the happiness of the other. Each is concerned for the happiness of the other. People might say that marriage is 50-50. Not so. Marriage is 100%, 100%. It's each 
partner giving 100%. I believe in most healthy relationships, whether right, wrong, or indifferent, that there's more, one's more of a giver, one's more of a taker. But the fact is, when they go into this, the, the giver can't keep giving and the taker can't keep, keep taking. There, ha, it, there has to be some exchange there. Paul's word for husbands, so they're profound. You husbands must love your wives, how? And you husband must love your wives with the same love Christ showed the church. He gave his life for her. We live in a society that's pretty selfish. Most of the time, it's pretty much about us. The family takes both husband and wife to be complete as God set it up. Children need both parents, mom and dad. The Bible tells us it takes both listening and obeying the Holy Spirit. I hope that, I hope that there's a time in your life Maybe it doesn't happen often. I wish it did. But I hope there's a time in your life when you're with your significant other that they pray for you and they hear coming from their heart your name spoken, lifted up to the throne of God. That is so powerful. But I fear that we don't hear that enough, perhaps, in some homes, maybe never. Having established that principle of spirit-led submission as an obligation for all Christians, because Paul starts that out, you guys need to submit to each other like you submit to Christ. He illustrates how this principle can be lived out in our homes. He called upon wives to submit to their husbands as unto the Lord. This should not be taken to mean that wives are to be doormats, allowing their husbands to walk over them, nor are they to be silent, pardless, wordlessly carrying out their husbands' directives. <laughs> if you're a husband and you try to boss your wife around all the time, how's that working out for you? It means that wives are to willingly support their husband's leadership, not balking or undermining him. They are to be active participants in the challenging tasks of running a Christian home. And that is a challenging task, my friends, in this world in which we live. They are to do everything they can to encourage and support their husband's leadership in the home, but not blindly or unquestioningly. When the husband is in error or even in outright sin, it is the wife's responsibility to lovingly confront him, pointing him back to the lordship of Christ as the ultimate authority. It takes both partners, 100%, to make a Christian marriage and a home. And if a husband chooses not to follow Christ, it is very difficult for that wife to be submissive to him. That, that, that's what I really do believe because the, the whole gist behind this is a if a wife is to submit to a husband, he has to be a godly husband. He has to be a husband that goes to Christ for answers. He has to be a man who is led by the Holy Spirit. That, that's what I believe this whole passage. And you, you can get off on so many different areas in this. And like I said, it's been misunderstood. More happy and adjusted is the home where the husband and father sees himself more a servant than a king. 
And you husbands must love your wives with the same love Christ showed the church. He gave up his life for her. We think about that text, that scripture, and we let that soak in. How did Jesus love the church? He suffered for the church, a suffering that you and I will probably never know. Some of you has come close. My brother Jeff suffered a lot. There's many in here that have suffered a lot. Christ suffered to the end. He sacrificed his life. We like free time. Jesus didn't have any free time. If he wasn't serving people, wasn't serving the church, he was praying to the Father. And he always put the church first, ahead of himself. So, you see my point. If a husband does that, I, 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 don't, think, I don't think it will go unnoticed. I, I think the wife will pick up on that. Verse 28, in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies, for a man is actually loving himself when he loves his wife. The spiritual and physical union between a husband and a wife is as total and complete as the union a person has with his or her own body. The scripture says when a man loves his wife, he loves himself, for she is so much a part of him. After you're married a while, it's like being in the same skin. You, and you, 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 you learn, you learn to know what the other person's thinking almost, and, and they're hot buttons, so, you know... <laughs> Uh, sometimes you like to aggravate our spouse by pushing those buttons, but we probably shouldn't. But you know what upsets your spouse. You know you can say this. You know you can't say other things. And like an idiot, after 50 years almost, I still say wrong things. But nonetheless, duh. <laughs> we become one. The words loves himself probably look back to the words of Jesus in Matthew 22, 39. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's a beautiful picture of the mutuality that should be a part of every marriage. And you see, when you look into cultures, we talk about how the scripture applies to different cultures. This picture shattered the cultural norms of the day in which a wife was often seen as property to do with what you choose. You could beat her, and in some instances, you could get to the point you could even kill her and not be prosecuted for that. Women were way down here. And the world that our friend Victoria is going into, they have come, made some leaps and bounds in women's rights, but they've still not arrived because in the Muslim world, they have a whole different view of women. And this is what Paul, he shattered that norm. Paul says, in fact, a relationship is so deep and intimate that the husband and the wife are a single being. Genesis 22, chapter 2, verse 24. This explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. I have yammered for years about what that means. King James says a man will cleave to his wife, joining one. When they consummate the marriage, their souls touch. That is why it's such a sacred thing. 
I can't reiterate that fact enough, especially to young people, that, that C-sex is not a big deal. They don't see the spiritual side of it. One flesh, soul's touch. The husband loves his wife not as an extension of self-love, but because it is advantageous both to her and to himself. The Greek word is the noun agape o, which is an unconditional love, referring to that giving love that seeks the highest good of the other. Not half the time, but all the time. When a husband loves his wife with this kind of love, they both will benefit. And a wife need not worry about submitting to her husband who treats her this way. Because in his heart, his mind, she's always first. Paul ends his discourse on husbands and wives in verse 33. Each of you, however, should love his wife as himself, and a wife should respect her husband. It returns to the command about human marriages, summarizing the attitudes that are to be shown by both husband and wife. He addresses the husbands first. Each of you, he said, should love his wife as himself. It's the core of Christian marriage. Each wife should respect, in turn, her husband. A lot of marriages could be made stronger and be more healthy if husbands and wife would do what the Scripture tells us to do and follow these profound instructions. Where husband and wife love and respect each other, they have a healthy marriage and a healthy family life to bring up children in. If you read on in Ephesians in chapter 6, which is the next chapter, it brings up parents and children. If you haven't read that for a while, break that out and read that. There are 82.5 million mothers in America. 13.7 million are, are single moms. Whatever the reason, God bless them that they're trying to bring those children up by themselves. There are probably many of you that maybe were raised in a single parent home. It, it's not the same. Both parents aren't there, so there's a void. And you hope that the Holy Spirit fills that void, but it's my premise today that the church should fill that void. Not having a husband and a dad around, somehow the church should, should speak in to those lives. It's a tremendous ministry and opportunity to be Christ. I appreciate Mitzi Badger, who has uh, taken on women's ministries, and I know Bridget has helped her, and so has my wife and some other women. But they're, but they're, they're looking around in the community, and this is one of the, the, the issues, as they, as they help mothers, and I, I really appreciate them doing that. So this morning, moms, we do honor you. This is your day. So husbands and dads, make sure you love and honor your moms today and your wife, and I've heard guys say tongue-in-cheek, well, she's not my mom, but uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. that. That usually doesn't turn out so good. But, uh, that was part of my problem when I first got married to my lovely wife. I wanted her to be my mama too, and it don't work that way. So if your mom's alive, make sure that you make some effort today to let her know how much you love her. And you know what? You might even be at odds at her. There are families that never speak. There are children that have such issues with their parents that they just write them off. Rightly so. There's been some pretty lousy parents, that's for sure. But what do you think Jesus would have you to do? 
He'd have you to tell them you love them and try to speak into their life. Lord, we love you. I thank you for moms. I thank you for all the moms here, and I, I thank you for families. Lord, I've heard this for years, that some of the ills of our society has come because of the breakdown of the family. God, we didn't write that book. We didn't say the way it's supposed to be. You gave us instructions as humans how to live. You gave us instructions how to be a good parent. You gave us instructions how to be a good wife or a good husband or a good child. But in our rebellious nature, sometimes we get stiff necked and we don't follow them. It causes us grief. You're not so concerned about our past. You're concerned about this moment in time from the rest of our lives. So I pray, God, today that we honor mothers, we honor our wives, we respect each other. I pray for families, Lord. There's a lot of families need healing, and I pray that into them right now. So right now, God, as you speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit, that we just might pay aid. If we need to apologize to somebody or to reach out to somebody today, we might do that. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for being our Father. We ask all these things in the name of Christ. Amen.